Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark, the podcast exploring rural innovation in Canada, both social and economic. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. Do you ever find yourself frustrated by what seems to be an abundance of talk and maybe not enough action when it comes to rural sustainability in your area? That's what happened with Jane Nicholson. Jane had spent her fair share of time in meetings and more meetings, and eventually her frustration and impatience led her to put her money where her vision was. Jane decided to invest her own retirement portfolio in microloans for entrepreneurs in Annapolis County, Nova Scotia. And over the past two years, she has succeeded in actually moving the needle in her small community in terms of job creation. And Jane is keen to share her very straightforward approach to supporting entrepreneurs and driving economic growth on a small scale. And sometimes a small scale is exactly what we're looking for. Now, Jane, you are going to talk to us a little bit about your experience with rural economic development and rural community development in Annapolis Royal. So I understand that Annapolis Royal in Nova Scotia is uh, your adopted community. Can you tell me a little bit, and, and for our listeners, a little bit about Annapolis Royal, what kind of community is and where exactly is it in Nova Scotia? It is uh, on the, the Annapolis River, southwest Nova, about 30 minutes from Digby. It's uh, Canada's first town. It was founded in 1605, and it was called Port Royal at the beginning. And in 1710, when the British finally took a possession of the most fought-after land in, Nova, in, in North America, actually, it became Annapolis Royal, the royal city of Anne. And it has 503 inhabitants. And, uh, and it is the area of uh, commercial interest for about another six to 7,000 people who live outside of the town itself. It has the highest concentration of heritage buildings in our country, and it's a national historic district, has two national historic sites. So its development in terms of uh, an economy is uh, largely tourism-based. And if my old, old history lessons serve me well. Is Annapolis Royal not the home of the Society of Good Cheer? It was the the habitation just outside of what is currently the town at, at, at Port Royal itself was the, with the Order of Good Cheer was founded there. The folks who founded the habitation, who built the habitation, actually sowed their fields of grain where Annapolis Royal now stands. And of course, what's on the site of the town is Fort Anne which was a Vauban-designed fort and uh, was used by the English until in the 1850s or 60s they decided to disband the soldiers there. Well, it sounds like a terrific place for uh, history buffs and, of course, much more. Uh, architecture, uh, for sure, as well. And you've created a really interesting financing opportunity for rural businesses in your area. So we wanted to talk a little bit about that today. I understand the program is called Annapolis Investments in Rural Opportunity. Can you tell us a little bit about how that initiative benefits local entrepreneurs and would-be entrepreneurs? Well, what Arrow is, that's what we call it because it's right. easier than saying Annapolis Investments and Rural Opportunity 37 times a day. Arrow is a, a foundational lender. We invest in new or existing businesses in Annapolis Royal and Annapolis County because that's the area that we know. We offer collaborative support and mentoring throughout the life of the loan. The loans are, for the most part, under $10,000. The interest rate is 3%. The loans are repayable in 24 months, and the interest 
is non-cumulative. So if I lent you $10,000, you would pay me back $10,300 in equal portions over 24 months. And you would get the kind of support that you would never get from a bank or any other lending institution. So that is what we do. We also support marketing initiatives that further our mission. And we often can collaborate with local governments to help fund sort of action-oriented economic development projects. But basically what we are is a lender to folks who would never get a bank loan, who have a dream, who have a business idea that would fit into the asset gaps in our rural community. And that's what Arrow does. And I think you've been able to identify what some of those asset gaps are uh, because of a survey that Arrow did, right? I think it was in 2017. You did a, a fairly far-reaching survey, and I was reading the report. It's very well done. Does that give you a lot of the insights in terms of where you should be investing these dollars? Well, basically what I wanted to do with when I created Arrow in June of 2016 was to understand what the people in the community really wanted and needed and thought were there, were the asset gaps figured out what people really wanted. And we called the report Local Logic, How to Get There from Here. And it looked at the things like, what are the joys of living in the place? What are the drawbacks? What do you think can be improved? You know, rural, uh, obviously rural broadband was a big issue. Uh, that's not something that Arrow personally can do much about. But it, it, it's, it's about things like how could you get your boat launched in the river when you're sitting on the river and nobody knows how to get on the river and there's nothing happening to make you able to get on the river. What about things staying open later in the, in the evening? What about tourism? What about this? What about that? What about, mo you know, large part was what about youth retention? How can you keep people living in a small place if they don't have an opportunity to kind of be employed, live their dream, try and understand why they want to stay and be able to support their family. So it's all about, and this all comes, Helen, from the Ivany report from uh, right. now, or, now or Never, which was a call out in 2014 to all Nova Scotians to step up for the province. I mean, no one's going to come along and sprinkle pixie dust on us and make everything bad go away. We have to do for ourselves. And the report that came out of the One Nova Scotia Coalition after the Ivany report was called We Choose Now. And that basically was what motivated me to step up and do something that was based on my own experience of 50 years as a volunteer, seeing what small things could happen for a little bit of money that would turn into big things for the community. Right. I, I wanted to talk a little bit more. I, I mean, I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with the Ivany Report, if you're interested in economic development in Atlantic Canada and Nova Scotia in particular. And I think uh, what your work hits at, too, is the need for a bit of a cultural shift uh, in how we look at, um, you know, finding our own solutions at the community level. Um, but I wanted to explore a little bit more, Jane, about, about why you're doing this, because it seems to me that you are essentially investing your own retirement portfolio in local small businesses. Uh, that's no small thing. And in an, through an organization that you built yourself, in part, it seems that you're an angel investor, but I think it's much more than that, of course, because it's about strengthening a rural community. Is that the part that really drives you? Well, <laughs> what drives me is impatience, probably, Helen. That would be the truest thing. I, uh, I came to Canada as a very small child at, through Pier 21 from England. 
We had nothing when we arrived, basically, except my father had a good job, and we lived a lower middle class lifestyle. So we weren't exactly poor, poor, but we were, you know, you, you didn't have a lot to come and go on. But my parents were very strongly motivated by having been able to come to Canada and instilled in all of us, I'm the oldest of seven, instilled in all of us this need to give back to the country that took us in. So I've been a community volunteer since I was 16. And over all the years in my professional career has been spent in the communications business. So I sat on a lot of boards and a lot of small committees related to community work. And I have seen so many times when $2,000 or $4,000 or $5,000 can make the difference between doing something or not doing something. I've also sat on boards where people talk a lot about what they're going to do, but somehow it never gets done. And I'm a much more action-oriented person than that. Blessed as I've been to be born in a Capricorn, it kind of just seems to be part of the, part of what happens. But I did have some money, and I thought, well, what can I do about this money? It's sitting in a bond. It's making me 2%. Well, what's a better investment in my retirement? I want to be a little old lady in Annapolis Royal. I want it to still exist. I want it to be viable and, and as beautiful as it is. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. But I'm blessed with a little extra cash. So what's the best way to do it? And I thought, well, I just, I'm so impatient and I'm such a hard worker, don't really know how to retire. So why don't I put those three factors together and do something smart with my money? And because I didn't want to listen to anybody else tell me how to spend my money, Arrow does not have a board of directors. It does not have an advisory board. All of the decisions made about funding are made by me and my executive director, Adele McDonald. And that allows us to be extremely nimble in our work with people who come to us with their dreams and sometimes their little white knuckles to describe what they hope to accomplish. And by sitting there and listening to people and respecting them and understanding how they feel they fit into the economy and what they can contribute, it's an extremely humbling experience. And that's part of why when we do make decisions to lend, we mentor people through the length of the loan. So if you're having a problem, you just call us and I got this problem. I don't know what to do. Well, how about you come in and see us and we'll talk about it and bring your numbers and maybe, you know, how about this? And have you thought of that? And, and then people go away and feel better about it. It's we're just not a bank. We're your safe place. And I think that that has been a big reason for our successful last two and a half years. Very interesting. And I, I do see the difference between Arrow and what a bank might do and how some people really don't meet a bank's uh, criteria for loans. Um, mm -hmm. What about what about the different agencies and organizations that we see out there, sometimes uh, funded by uh, government programs? Is there still a gap between what you do and what some of those business development organizations might offer? I think so. I mean, you have to have three things to do what an Arrow is. You have to have great passion. You have to have money and you have to understand your community. I mean, if someone comes to me for a loan, I don't have to call anybody in Toronto and work through an algorithm. I don't have to go fill out 14 pages of a bureaucratic government-sponsored lending program. I understand 
those programs and they definitely absolutely have their place and we work with Annapolis Ventures for example and other CBDs uh, to help folks out but you know most people who want to start a new business don't have two years of financials behind them because they have a new business and because the taxpayers money is involved in so many of the government programs naturally that's where the income comes from I can understand why the government needs to be very clear about where it's putting its money. The beauty of a private company like Arrow is that I don't have to worry about those kinds of things because I know the community, I probably know the person, or I know the family of the person, or we know the industry, we can do research on what's going on, and it, it's a much more community-based, more closely aligned process. And I don't think that it's, I mean, it's unique in Nova Scotia as we speak, but I don't think it has to be unique in Nova Scotia. I think that lots of other small places have people with a little bit of money, and even if they don't have a lot of money, they can put their money together and replicate the Aero model. I mean, it, it truly is, you know, it's, it's, it's not a model that I invented. It's a model that's used in Africa and in India and other places like that. Can you give us an example, Jane, of some of the kinds of enterprises that you've been investing in? Sure. We have had, in the last two and a half years, 110 applications. We've funded 52 of them. Those 52 new businesses have created about 123 jobs so far. Some of them are full-time, some of them are part-time, some of them are seasonal, but there's all, they're all jobs. We have a number of applications in the pipeline, and if we lent to all of them, we'd have another 43 jobs. So we have everything from a man who decided that he was going to have a new business taking rust off boats. We have a young woman who wanted to be a storybook illustrator and author who, with uh, $2,000 in funding, now has a, an agent in Toronto and two book deals. We have people involved in, uh, you know, for example, Tartan Wave, Lund's Mill Brewery, all kinds of folks that I could name who may not be familiar to the rest of your listeners, but are breweries, restaurants, uh, service providers, artists, writers, people who are able to contribute to the cultural and economic life of the town. It's, it's almost getting to the point now, Helen, where there are so many that I can't remember them all. But if you look at the bottom, if your readers look at our, um, listeners rather, look at our website, at the bottom of our website are the business names of the, of the businesses that are ready to be public that we have helped. The numbers are really impressive, Jane. So if I understand correctly, you've been able to fund um, almost 50% of the people who've made applications to you. Is that correct? Yes, almost 50%. Some people realize that they don't want to have the business that they thought about, so they'll go back and have a different idea. Some people realize that once they go through our process, which is an application and, and a couple of interviews and things like that, they don't, uh, they don't want to have the business they thought they wanted to have. Some people really need way too much money, and although we are willing to loan perhaps the next lender up the chain is not willing to loan because we just don't have enough money to lend you $100,000. You have to go to another place to get that, maybe Annapolis Ventures, maybe uh, Nova Scotia Business Inc. We're the sort of the starter loan. And oftentimes, if we lend, other people are much happier to take the risk as well because we've taken the initial risk. Right. That does make sense in helping people get started. So 
with 52 um, micro loans, really, over a two year period, Arrow has been able to help create 123 jobs in a small place like Annapolis Royal? Well, in Annapolis Royal and Annapolis County. Right. And we only invest in Annapolis Royal and Annapolis County because that's the part of Nova Scotia that we know the best. So we understand what goes on. And that's, that was the point of local logic, the report that we commissioned and, and did, which was basically all about what the people in the area thought they needed. And that has given us tremendous insight into dictating, not totally, but certainly giving us an idea of where our money is, is best invested. And I suppose you would love to see uh, this kind of model being replicated by people like yourself in that kind of position in other areas. And if you could magnify that, because really in small communities like where we're from in Guysboro or Annapolis uh, County, 10, 20 jobs, that's, that's a huge impact. Well, it's all about respect, Helen. I mean, people who are employed doing something they really like feel good about themselves. They feel respected. They feel happy. That zeitgeist spreads around and it makes everybody feel good everybody feel happy or feel at least that there's an opportunity and it's it's subtle but it's kind of all about respecting what rural people can do i i'm very well i i get very emotional if people think that rural people can't step up to the plate i don't know anybody that i've lent money to who isn't just fabulous really. And so if your listeners have an idea that it might be somebody in their little town might want me to come down and talk to them, I'm going to be doing that this summer. And, um, and I would love to hear from in any of your folks listening to this podcast who are interested in our talking about the model, because it is not brain surgery. It is hard work. I don't get paid. Obviously, I don't pay myself. And I operate in the train station in Annapolis Royal, which I own. But, um, you know, there are still uh, salary and other costs that relate to it. So, you know, you have to have enough money to be able to have money to lend and money to pay your staff. But it's interesting, as you said earlier, if your community maybe doesn't have someone who individually is in that kind of position, a number of people could, you know, pull their money together to come up with this kind of uh, model and, and replicate that. It's very kind of you to offer, of course, to uh, go and speak to some of these organizations and communities. So hopefully we'll have some people take you up on that. Do you find that when people are coming to you with applications, you mentioned that in many cases you actually know these people. Do you find that your decisions when you're doing this kind of thing, that you're investing in people, in the individual or, or a small group of individuals as much as you are in the business concept itself? Well, the thing about it is that for I, I must say that every single thing we do is confidential. We never speak about anybody or anything outside the confines of the conversation we're having with the, with the applicant. But it is about judgment and it is about understanding where people come from. And it's, it's all part of the mix because sometimes we'll get an application and go, well, that's a really different kind of idea. Hmm. Don't really know about that. And then the person will come along and tell us what they're doing. And it's not, it's a non-traditional kind of idea, perhaps. And you'll go, what a brilliant idea. This is, I never would have thought of that. I mean, it's just so much fun to listen to where people are coming from. But yes, it's, it's a combination of things. And I think that's what makes the model itself unique. You are very deeply invested in the roots of your community with, a, with an idea like Arrow.
Jane, when you first told family and friends and acquaintances and neighbors that you were going to do this, that you were going to put your retirement portfolio into this, into Arrow, into this kind of initiative, did some people think you were crazy or did you, were you met with a little bit of suspicion in some areas? <laughs> well, not when I started the idea because I met with a whole bunch of women and said, what do you think of this? Do you think it'll work? And they all, of course, said yes. And I ended up hiring one of them as my executive director. But I think what I have found is that there are folks who have said, and often it's men of a certain age, that, well, that's not a very tax-efficient move, or that's not really a way to, what, what's your return on investment? And I, I have to say, I kind of smile and say, well, my return on investment is that my town and my county are doing better. I mean, what's a better return on investment than that? I mean, there's a limit to how much you can go out to lunch or buy yourself a new necklace or a fancier car. That's that's just not what interests me. What interests me is is the community. Where would you like to see Arrow go? How are you in this for the long term or in the next few years? Would you like to grow it some more or is it kind of at a sustainable level right now? What what are your plans? Well, my, my plans when I started in 2016 were to see how long the money would last. Since we've only had one default on all of these applications and loans, my money is lasting longer than I thought it would be because everybody is paying it back, which is great. And so I'm, I'm anticipating it's going to last a little bit longer than I assumed. But I would, I would be very proud if there would be two or three more communities that would adopt the model because I do think it's extremely doable. I've never been a fan of the endowment model of foundations because I mostly think that it's too bureaucratized. I like the immediacy, uh, but as I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm kind of an impatient person and my 50 years of sitting around tables talking about things is a, is a telling factor in, in this model. I just thought it could work. And when I went and talked to all the lawyers and the financial people, the idea of it being a private company was the best way to accomplish the goals that I had for it, which was, you know, We Choose Now is about now. It's not about five years from now. It's about now, today. This is when we need this support for our, our local entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs. And I'm just extremely proud of what Adele and I have been able to accomplish and of all the people we've helped who are just just absolutely fabulous people. I don't think you're alone in, in, in by any means, Jane, in uh, being uh, frustrated a little bit and impatient with the, the speed of things at some point. And uh, I do think you'll probably have some people take you up on that offer to learn uh, more about it. It's, it's a fascinating story. And we'd like to touch base with you again in the future and, and see how things are progressing. Thank you so much for being with Rural Spark today. And um, best of luck as uh, Arrow uh, unfolds in the year ahead. Thank you so much, Helen. Appreciate the opportunity to tell the story. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for joining us this week. Please drop us a line with your ideas for upcoming episodes at info at ruralspark.ca. The Rural Spark team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seaberth. Music by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.